0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Liberals face calls to be more transparent about the departure of Major General Danny Fortin. Obviously ongoing investigation, so you can't say a whole lot. But, you know, I will say that we remain committed to building a true of inclusion of the Canadian Armed Forces and at the Department of National Defense. Um, so everybody is treated with dignity and respect. Concerns about the national vaccine rollout after Fortin steps down from his role overseeing the delivery and distribution of doses. CAF members are experts in logistics and operations and when um, someone steps aside, there's been people waiting and training in order to, to move forward and keep the mission going as as we've heard regularly in our briefings. And so I, I have every confidence that this will not, Canadians will not feel any impact um, in terms of vaccine rollout. And the latest poll shows the race tightening between the Liberals and the Conservatives.
1: The Liberals have gone from an
0: 11 point
1: lead over the Conservative to a two point lead. And so that comes after the budget. and you know, the the numbers start to come down across the country in terms of COVID and vaccines continue to go up. Despite all of that, the Liberals and the Conservatives are much more competitive.
0: It's Tuesday, May the 18th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark.
0: So let's talk about what's happening at the Department of National Defense with the Canadian military. The latest news this morning from the Globe and Mail is that DND waited nearly two months to remove Danny Forte from his military duties and as the head of the vaccination program because it was figuring out how to deal with all of the allegations that had arisen against a series of high-ranking officers um, we now have the replacement for forte on the on the vaccination program it's brigadier general krista brody um, so this raises a lot of questions uh, but the broadest of all is what is going on at the canadian armed forces <laughs> right why, why is this such a consistent and systemic problem
1: I, I, I laugh, but I, I'm, I'm laughing almost. In, I think everybody last Friday night when the news came out late in the day, uh, in the evening on Friday, thought, how is it possible that two of the biggest things confronting this government, um, the problems in the military and the vaccine rollout, managed to merge spectacularly in this news? It's, uh, I, you know, it. Yeah, it defies description that that this could happen. There are a few things that are interesting about this story, and you say, what is going on is is indeed true. Um, A couple of things surprised me. One is, yes, the news in the Globe and Mail that this was uh, an allegation sitting around since March. Not only that, we heard that this is something through CTV's sources Over the weekend, we heard that this is something that uh, dates back to 30 years ago, when uh, Danny Fortin was a student at the Royal Military College. I think the thing that most surprised me, though, was that it was only on Sunday that Danny Fortin, two days after he'd resigned, that a reporter told him the allegation. So that tells you that what is going on with this story and what is going on with the culture there is um very swift retrospective justice and uh not a whole lot of room there to protest innocence it tells you that there is a culture under siege now and that um it is now finding a way to cascade into everything the government is doing so Uh, uh, many, many things are surprising about this story, and it's not going away. And, you know, I I wish Krista Brody a lot of luck in the vaccine rollout. I I do think that one person on their own, whether no matter how good a soldier or whatever, is going to make a difference. This is an incredibly large, complicated operation. And the government may well be asking itself, Do we really need the military involved in in the vaccine rollout when we are uh, facing this? But so far, it seems that only the military has the logistical capacity to handle something like this. But what, uh, you know, if you'd predicted this two, three months ago, it it would have defied description.
0: Yeah, and does it raise questions about the military rollout? Uh, I mean, we're. You know, it's uh, to me, uh, it's a complex, obviously, system and program, and there's there's more than one person in charge of it. But uh, the the other allegations that were raised that uh, that affected people in the Canadian Armed Forces were about the military. This one is about the very urgent need to vaccinate Canadians. And there's been a change in leadership in that position, which which obviously is going to provoke some questions.
1: Yeah, there are some people suggesting, I think in our paper today too, there are people suggesting that uh, what we really wanted were public health figures involved in this too. What we're seeing here is this cascading and rotating uh, crises of confidence. Note that last year, what the government wanted was the most trusted people in charge of all aspects of the pandemic and Canadians, you know, would regularly say they trust the military and the military did go into long-term care homes, for example, and public health officials. But we're in a stage of the pandemic. We've discussed this before where people are frustrated, uh, angry. uh, It's gone on too long. These are all obvious things to say, except that that, it just shows how much of the world since last year even has turned upside down that we've got a crisis of confidence in many of in political leadership in military leadership not yet in public health leadership but it it's a massive operation and people are are desperate to find somebody to blame for the fact that it's not over yet
0: yeah all right Let's um, let's talk about where we stand, though, when it comes to vaccinations. There are millions of vaccines that are coming into the country in the days ahead. Um, Do you feel like there is a sense that we're starting to turn a corner, especially as in some jurisdictions, the the pool of people who are being told they can register for vaccination is expanding in Ontario, for example. As of today, if you're 18 years or older, you can you can register for a vaccine. So. Is that creating perhaps a new level of optimism after several weeks now of, of frustration and, and anxiety over how long this is taking? And and inevitable comparisons to the fact that in many p- parts of the United States and the United Kingdom and other countries in the world, they're emerging from the pandemic and lifting the restrictions.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think we're at the ooh, regaining optimism since yet in Canada, though I think it'll be interesting to see where we're at in a couple of weeks if all these vaccines are millions coming in this week. Um, But, you know, a week ago, you and I were talking about the crisis of faith in AstraZeneca. That's still lurking out there. I think we're going to quickly move from everybody getting their first dose to when is everybody getting their second dose. Because... The freedom that people are seeing in the United States and the United Kingdom is based on second dose, fully vaccinated people. So I, I, I don't want to rain on any parades, but, you know, we're, we're getting up there in Canada. We should be soon uh, to the goal of everybody being first vaccinated. But I think immediately the attention is going to go to second dose. And when we get to take off our masks as we saw Joe Biden and Kamala Harris do you know with some flourish last week i i i think i think we're we're a few weeks away from those happy days in in canada yet yeah, i heard just a throwaway line yesterday from ontario's chief medical uh, health officer david williams saying that the case counts are still too high in Ontario. And while everybody's got their eye now on June 2nd, he he sort of floated this idea of mid-June out there. So I think while everybody paid attention to June 2nd in Ontario, they didn't hear the at least. And right at least from what I was hearing yesterday from David Williams, it sounds like the province hasn't ruled out the idea that, that this stay-at-home order is going to last... Maybe not just two weeks longer, but maybe a few weeks longer.
0: Mm. All right, let's talk about where we stand politically in Canada and what many people expect to be an election year. Um, the the latest poll from Abacus Data that came out yesterday showed a, a, a serious tightening of the race. The Liberals at 34%, the Conservatives at 32 Only three weeks ago, that gap was 11 points. Now it's two points. Uh, what do you think is going on there?
1: I think it's related to what we were just talking about. I when, when I looked at the poll numbers too, I thought, holy smokes, what a volatile political climate we're living in, in that, um, and we've discussed this before too. Uh, support for the liberals, the federal liberals, while it looks strong, it's quite flimsy and, and subject to the whims and, and angers and mood of the public, that it's flipping up and down, and around. I don't think anybody, uh, any political leader, can be happy looking at these numbers. It doesn't tell you anything about how the election is going to go. Whenever that does happen, because um, Aaron O'Toole has uh, is is still uh, in the negative rankings with impressions. Jagmeet Singh is going up, but um, but he enjoyed the same kind of sunny numbers in the 2019 election that didn't get them any more seats. In fact, it lost him seats. So yeah, I think um, all the political parties uh, should have had a chill go through their spines when they saw the numbers in that abacus poll. It, it tells me that we have a population out there that is in no mood for politics um, is kind of sick of politicians and really sick of this pandemic. And uh, they're looking for somebody to punish, I think.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, it's going to be an interesting uh, few weeks and months in uh, Canadian <laughs> politics. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In McLean's, Nick Taylor-Vasey considers the NACI problem and how to fix it. Taylor-Vasey writes, The volunteer panel is dispensing crucial vaccine advice meant to keep Canadians safe and healthy. But NACI desperately needs to do better on the national stage. Maybe nobody should have expected a group of volunteers already working at breakneck speed to find more time to master the art of communication. But the solution to NACI's woes might be deceptively simple. Keep doing the science. Just find someone who can properly explain it all to a weary, frustrated nation. In the Toronto Star, Gillian Stewart argues Alberta's conservatives would rather attack each other than the pandemic. Stewart writes, Alberta still has the highest rate of active COVID-19 cases in Canada, and might also have the highest rate of political chaos— given that Premier Jason Kenney's UCP caucus is cracking apart, making it even more difficult for him to do what needs to be done to get Alberta past this grueling third wave of the pandemic. UCP MLAs would do themselves and the rest of the province a big favour if they simply pulled together and worked overtime to put the pandemic behind us. In the National Post, John Iveson writes, Liberals are deaf to their own MPs. Iveson writes, MP Bob Bretina says he will not seek re-election following the announcement that the federal government will co-fund an LRT system that he has spent years opposing. But this is a bigger deal than an MP being out of step with his party. His opinion on the proposal wasn't sought by his own party and speaks to the complaints of a growing number of Liberal backbenchers that their judgment is not required on decisions predetermined by the Prime Minister's office and select ministers. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will virtually take part in the Summit on the Financing of African Economies before holding a news conference to speak about the COVID-19 situation, along with Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne, Public Services Minister Anita Anand, and Health Minister Patti Haidu. Later in the day, the Prime Minister will meet virtually with Vaccine Hunters Canada. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a virtual news conference, followed by a meeting with the National Right to Housing Network and the Centre for Equality Rights in Accommodation. He will also take part in a virtual roundtable hosted by the Network for the Advancement of Black Communities. Government House Leader Pablo Rodriguez will announce financial assistance to support the growth of two agri-food businesses in Quebec. He will also make an announcement about recreational and sports infrastructure in the Laurentian region. Canadian Heritage Minister Stephen Gilbo and the Minister of Northern Affairs Dan Vandal will make a virtual announcement about arts and culture funding for the Association Culturelle de la Francophonie Manitobaine in Manitoba. Infrastructure Minister Catherine McKenna will attend a virtual infrastructure event in Kitchener, Ontario, and the Innovation Minister, François-Philippe Champagne, will announce an investment in the biomanufacturing sector in support of Canada's future pandemic preparedness. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, May the 18th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.